Darren Goldendale, and hello to all of my fellow liberty-loving Americans all across the fruited plains from sea to shining sea. This is the host who loves you the most, Luke Throop here, back in the saddle for another wild, whimsical Wednesday, friends, Torch Report 309, exposing the most filthy superstition of all, digging even deeper uh, into the sordid history of mass vaccinations and how the global cabal is going to use this to call the herd, and uh, rather than... <laughs> Uh, let's just dive right in. How about that? Headlong in. Boom. You know, I want to pick up where we left off with Torch Report 308, the sordid history of vaccines. Uh, I want to present today a broad scope of evidence that does, in fact, suggest the global push for mandatory vaccinations may, in fact, be nothing more than a money-making sham, (laughs) which wouldn't come as a surprise to anybody who's been paying attention. But I want to explore the origination of vaccinations, the process of vaccine development and all of that, uh, and the underlying assumptions embedded in mass vaccination campaigns and all of that. But, but first, my friends, let's just go ahead and uh, deal with a couple of things that are out in the news. I know you're going to be hearing the, you know, the, the talking heads squawking about, you know, China's out there, you know, ready to join forces with Russia. You know, the U.S. is out there beefing up the eastern flank of nine NATO countries who comprise the front lines on our collective defense. You know, and the uh, the fact that the warmongering liberal media is out there, which you just you hear those words, warmongering liberal media. It should be an oxymoron, but it's not. You know that the mainstream lamestream media is out there mocking the peace loving protest. Uh, who, you know, all those guys, everybody's get not everybody, but a lot of people were gathered for a rage against the war machine rally in Washington, D.C. And of course, the liberal media is like, oh, poo poo. And these guys are, you know, these are pro Putin tyrants out here. These are extremists out here trying to rage against the war machine. It's just again, it's that's an oxymoron, but it's just a distraction. And we need to set all of this aside. The globalists are going to have their war, whether we want it or not precisely because it is an integral part of their overarching plans and it provides cover for their various schemes. You know, there's a lot of things moving at any given point in time here. So I want to stay focused on the mass vaccinations, uh, despite all of the recent escalations, despite the fact that it appears they're trying to accelerate this effort to, you know, push the world into World War Three. Uh, I, I think they're escalating and accelerating because people are starting to grow wise. You know, there's more and more stand-up comedians are coming out and starting to point out the obvious, you know, uh, the CIA instigated a coup in Ukraine uh, that, you know, they're using a sock puppet in the office to, you know, pull the strings and do all this. They blew up the Nord Stream pipeline and all this kind of stuff. And, and yet it's the peace activists that are raging against the war machine. Those are the, those are the uh, pro <laughs> pro war lobby, whatever. I, I, I don't know how to tell that guy's joke. Build a screenshot there, friends. If you're listening on a podcast platform today, please know that you have to go to thetorchreport.com, thetorchreport.com, to see this little spiffy screenshot and the the, uh, stand-up comedian making fun of and mocking the fact that the liberals have turned into a bunch of warmongers. Now, uh, similarly, friends, today we need to ignore the drip, drip, drip of hope, of false hope 
You know, the false hope that the GOP, oh man, the GOP, they're really close to bringing down the hammer on Hunter Biden. Isn't that exciting? Not, because nothing's going to happen, you know. Oh, the Supreme Court, the Supreme Court might rein in the big tech censorship, you know, or, or, or the the Brunson brothers, they're, they're going to overturn the 2020 election. Oh, Donald Trump, Donald Trump's going to, he's going to complete the mission and he's going to clean house and call out all the deep state factions, you know. Woohoo, friends. You may disagree with me, but I do believe that these two are just distractions. And again, I want to set it aside. I believe that the, the false hope that is out there being stoked daily, it's ultimately building up the nervous anticipation. Oh, it might happen. And all of that heightened suggestibility. And it just sets people up for desperation and despair. And, you know, don't forget, if we're going to take Bill Gates at his word, we're headed for a hung election and a civil war, potentially in 2024. And... You know, I believe, given that backdrop, that they're digital, diligently conditioning the population with the requisite emotions and the embedded backstory to make that happen. So all that stuff that we're not going to talk about today, that's what that's about. It's, 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 it's provoking the emotions. It's establishing the story in the minds of the people to accept a hung election and a civil war as an inevitability, as predicted by the great evildoer himself. Now, that uh, let all set aside, let's address the bigger issue here today, which is the crime of vaccination. The crime of vaccination, just to refresh, is the title of a book that was published in 1926 by Dr. Benedict Lust. And in case you didn't listen in yesterday, uh, Dr. Lust is a somewhat controversial naturopath who was penalized for speaking out against the American Medical Association's endorsement of mass vaccinations. But he wasn't alone. Along with many other eminent men and, you know, some of the profoundest thinkers of the age, they got together, they looked at the data, they scrutinized the origin of the vaccines, uh, particularly the smallpox vaccinations. And, and as they dug into the data and they looked at what was going on, they only they discovered, you know, and declared, hey, look, these vaccines are not safe and effective. These vaccines are, in fact, unsafe. They are ineffective. And any claim about these vaccines being so-called safe and effective, that's highly deceptive. You know, thus, the medical professionals of the time when these vaccines were coming online, the most prominent thinkers concluded conclusively that the proclaimed effectiveness of mass vaccinations was in fact a filthy superstition. That's their words, not mine. But I agree that the mass vaccinations are in fact a filthy superstition. But I'm not a doctor, so what the hell do I know? You know, what was their evidence? As a curious peasant, I must know. Luke, tell me now. What was the evidence? Throughout the book, The Crime of Vaccination, these diligent skeptics cited government records going back as far as 1847, prior to the administration of mass vaccinations. You know, they looked at all the data and then they compared the before and after data and kind of crunched the numbers. You know, they derived the only logical conclusion, which was that this information says, you know, these vaccines are not safe and effective. That's a filthy superstition. They're causing people to fall over dead and sprout out with new diseases and all this stuff. That's what they realized way back in the very beginning, friends. And this information that was compiled, they put together, they presented the compiled information to the Royal Commission on Vaccinations. That was in the year of 1890. So 
back then. Uh, the Royal Commission on Vaccinations were said to be ignorant of statistics and statistical models. Uh, I'm going to read this little passage from the book. I'm going to share some passages from the book today uh, instead of trying to just rephrase it. I'll just read it for you. Quote, the commission lingered on for six years and did not issue its final report until 1896. While the evidence, statistics, and diagrams occupied numerous bulk blue books, the most valuable parts of it were the appendices containing the tables and the diagrams presented by chief witnesses, together with a large number of official tables and statistics, both of our own and foreign countries, affording a mass of material never before brought together. Period. End quote. Now, I, I think that that's telling. That, that the point that was being emphasized throughout the section was that these medical doctors who were sitting on the board of the vaccine, the Royal Vaccine Commission, they were not mathematicians. And so, you know, there, there, there were medical doctors that were good at math and, and also, you know, statistical experts that were looking and showing they had these charts and all this kind of stuff. And look, look at what's happened before the vaccines, after the vaccines. Well, look at all this death is skyrocketed. It's actually more than doubled. And that was based on the data, you know, coming into the the end of the 19th century, eight late 1800s. And OK, that should have been enough for people to pay attention. What the heck's going on here? But the commission was so convinced about the effectiveness of the vaccines, they didn't question whether or not the, the vaccines were effective. They couldn't question whether or not the vaccines were effective because, you know, uh, not only were they incapable of seeing the data for what it was, ultimately, you know, they they were bought off. They had a vested interest in these vaccines being just what they said they were. Uh, at any rate, the the doctors on the commission ultimately could not come face to face and did not accept the evidence that was being presented that disproved their theories and pointed to the harm, the very real harm that was being caused by these injections, smallpox vaccines in particular. Uh, but of course, that's not the story that was then later promoted. So the story in the history that we hear most often is how smallpox vaccines saved the world and oh my gosh, it's amazing, you know, and all of that. But in the very beginning, as early as the late 1800s, they were beginning to realize that, you know, you got all this evidence, this, these diagrams and you know, statistics, it shows, the data shows conclusively these are not safe and effective. And which, of course, I don't know, makes me curious. Are you curious, my friends, where the safe and effective vaccine story actually originated? Well, get this. And I'm reading here from a passage from the book, quote, the story goes that Edward Jenner, a chiropodist uh, and barber, he was a foot specialist and a barber, he made the discovery that milkmaids were immune to smallpox. He therefore concluded that something in the cow warded off the germs of human smallpox. Now, in those days, one guess was as good as another. And before long, Jenner announced to the world that cowpox germs in the cow killed smallpox germs in the human. And that cowpox germs injected into humans would make the existence of human smallpox germs impossible. Period. End quote. Now, doctors at that time, uh, they, they, you know, they wanted to hang the guy, basically. They, they, they heaped Billingsgate upon the barber's head as a, as a section out of the book. And I didn't know what the word Billingsgate means. It's an old kind of antiquated British term, perhaps. Uh, but it means 
coarsely abusive language. So these guys were just verbally abusing this barber, this foot guy, because he's making this stuff up. And they declared him to be a dangerous man. And they demanded that he be arrested because he was scraping pus off of cows and, you know, shaking it up a little bit and then, you know, sticking it in people's arms. Now, of course, Jenner actually was a real hustler and and he was a, a slick salesman and he bypassed the medical community and took his magic injections straight to these scared parents who didn't want their children to die from smallpox, you know, proving for the very first time in history that vaccinations were a profitable enterprise. And soon enough, my gosh, you could sell people anything, you know, classic snake oil salesman or what have you, but he's selling this cure that, you know, Oh, if you get this shot, you're not going to die. Oh, good. Give me the shot. You know, now, and, but you got to pay for it, of course, right? So as soon as vaccines were proven to be profitable, the vaccine lobby started popping up and they started plying parliament for public support. We got to get public vaccination campaigns, you know? And of course, with a major push of government propaganda, vaccinations became the rage all over Europe. Oh man, everybody's getting needles stuck on their arm. Woo, you know? And Jenner was thrust into the limelight as a medical celebrity. I mean, just rocketed from his lowly position as a barber and foot specialist to now being hailed as the leading medical man of the day. He was recognized as a great scientist and a humanitarian. And I just, you know, despite the fact that this story is not true, it should sound really familiar. You know, you think about Dr. Fauci's celebrity status and the fact that he's the highest paid bureaucrat in the land. Keep that in mind. Let's read on here a little bit. Quote, the medical lobbyists buttonholed the representatives of England's shires, and before another moon had waxed and waned, Parliament voted Jenner a pension, period, end quote. You know, they're, they're all caught up in this idea. Oh, it's so exciting, this filthy superstition that you could shoot, you know, pus from a cowpox into somebody's arm, and it was going to keep them, you know, safe and effective, or it was going to be safe and effective. It was going to keep them from contracting disease and, and dying from disease. And as the data showed, that was exactly the opposite of what happened. But that's also the opposite of the story that got out. The story was the opposite of the truth, I should say. But you think about, you know, Fauci, you know, being the highest paid bureaucrat in the land, you think about, wow, right off, you know, right off the get go, you know, Jenner was thrust into the light night. Now Parliament's giving this guy a pension, man. He's not just a barber. You know, he's he's a you know, medical savior. And this was all happening again, in the late 1800s, turn of the century there, it was all happening to the shock and the utter dismay of actual medical professionals. Medical professionals who had been faithfully, faithfully reporting actual medical data, including the numbers of death and disease that were being caused by these magic vaccines. That's what they were trying to present like to the commission. Hey, look, this is not what it says. They had conducted actual statistical analysis to derive their factual conclusion that these vaccines were nothing more than just a filthy superstition. Of course, it was a very profitable superstition, which is, of course, why it became a very political superstition. But continuing on here from the crime of vaccines, uh, the doctor... Benedict Lust goes on. He says, and I quote, a remarkable feature. Uh, th this is actually this section here is coming from uh, comparing 
the outbreaks of smallpox in various communities, some more vaxxed than others. So it's a little bit lengthy here, but it's worth reading. It provides some context. Uh, A remarkable feature of this London outbreak is the high fatality rate. One third of the cases have been fatal. 12 vaccinated cases and four unvaccinated cases died. Now, before vaccination was introduced, only 18% of cases were fatal. But now that's almost doubled that. It goes on to say at, at Leicester in 1903 to 1904, only 5% of unvaccinated people died. At Nottingham, Middlesbrough, and Clone Valley, not one single unvaccinated person died in 1921. The medical officer of the County of London recently reported 700 cases in England and Wales in the last 18 months with only one death. And these are largely among unvaccinated uh, townships and such. And so the, the book goes on. Why then have these London cases proved so fatal in the city of London? Not county, not rural county of London, but the city of London, all, you know, uh, one third of the cases have have died, high, high fatality rate, over 33%. And the majority of those are among vaccinated individuals. And going on, it says, it cannot be the lack of vaccination as so many of the patients were vaccinated. You know, what happened in London? Well, it wasn't the lack of vaccination because most of the patients in London were vaccinated. Moreover, there was a much greater lack of vaccination at Nottingham, Middlesbrough, and Clone Valley at and yet none of the patients there died. The death rate in this outbreak is so extraordinary, so contrary to all previous records that it ought to be inquired into, period, end quote. In other words, all of these vaccinated people are dying. All these unvaccinated people are not dying. That is so extraordinary. It contrary to common sense and all previous records, what the heck is going on? We need to look into that, friends. All of this should be very, very, very familiar because history is in fact repeating itself right now the book goes on to document the uh, the sharp discrepancies between the vaccinated and the unvaccinated populations we have looked at that at length i'm not going to have time to to put all the links in there today friends but if you if you are not familiar with that what's happening right now uh we'll come back maybe i'll touch back on that tomorrow in the interest of time here um i i want to kind of bring this to a close a little bit the the reality are the of the I'm sure to say the similarities of the reality between then and now are astounding to me you know the discrepancies between the vaccinated and unvaccinated populations the unvaccinated people having you know a, a much higher chance of living faring much better in general you know the historical record indicates that in every smallpox scare large numbers of people have been severely injured by vaccination that's a direct quote from the crime of vaccination coming from the top uh medical doctors and profoundest thinkers of the time uh, according to the documents there People who got the vax suffered and died in higher numbers than those who had not got the vax. This is exactly what we are witnessing right now with the COVID jabs. No question about it. Exactly the same thing. And I don't believe that it's just a coincidence. I don't think it's just a mistake. I believe personally that this is all part of a much darker plot. You know, they claim the global cabal claims they want to vaccinate every man, woman and child on the planet by the year 2030. Whether they want it or need it or not, that's the plan. It's the immunization 2030 
agenda and all this stuff. And they claim that this is meant to save lives. But that doesn't really jive with their depopulation agenda, right? The human population is destroying the planet. So why are they trying to vaccinate everybody and save lives? Friends, if we allow for the fact that mass vaccinations may in fact just be a filthy superstition, that mass vaccinations may in fact lead to an untold amount of suffering and death while simultaneously lining the pockets of crooked politicians, doctors, and lobbyists, then, then, then we can begin to connect the dots. Friends, patterns abound. They've used this playbook before, and therefore patriots would be wise to take note and tell your friends that is the message of my heart for today. These things are a filthy superstition. I happen to believe that the book is right. Friends, if you're enjoying this podcast, please take the time to find a little heart on the Substack app or the website. Click that little heart and give me some love. It does help me boost in the algorithms. Friends, uh, subscribe if you have not subscribed already. Please consider joining the Patriot Club to help support this publication. And of course, the greatest honor of all is if you share the Torch Report. Share this one report. Share the whole report. Share it with someone. Share it with anyone. Share it with everyone you know. Friends, get out there and embrace this wild, wintry Wednesday. And I will look forward to talking to you again soon. 